0: hello and welcome to criticism is dead a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means if it means anything at
1: all i'm Pelen keskin lu a producer and writer i'm jenny g Jean,
0: a culture writer and critic
1: this week we're discussing shrinking and sharper a series and a film that work best if you're willing to turn your brain off a little bit and just enjoy the ride
0: yeah sometimes yeah. that is just the mode we want to be in so i think it'll also be a nice breezy
1: episode today The part about if it means anything at all, this is one of those.
0: Yeah, sure. (laughs) Finally.
1: All right. (laughs) Finally, we're not overanalyzing. Speaking of analyzing, though, what have you been thinking about this week so far?
0: Well, I've been struggling a little bit, I think, with deciding what to do with my days. Or, like, to be more accurate, getting something out of my days. Since I do have more free time now, you know, part of me wants to... Relax. Part of me wants Mm -hmm. to be productive and look for jobs. Part of me wants to be productive and work on personal projects. And somehow, like, in trying to do a little bit of all those things, I feel like I'm basically doing none of it. Right. So it's, I don't feel relaxed. I'm not, like, getting more sleep or more, I don't know, leisure out of anything. I'm not going out to to see stuff and play more. And I'm not Mm -hmm. really accomplishing what I set out to do either. So, yeah, I don't know. I gotta figure this out. No,
1: I I totally, totally get that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's
0: okay. It's the worst. Uh, yeah, but that's what's going on with me. What about you? What's going on with you?
1: I've been watching Physical 100 on Netflix, and it's a pretty fun time. I've got to say, I didn't think I would enjoy a bunch of gym bros and athletes and people that really are obsessed with their bodies compete for like physical activities to see who's the strongest person. Um, I didn't realize that that would entertain me so much, but it does. So if <laughs> this is a very quick, quick recommendation, like if you enjoy the team game, like the team challenges and stuff on like Survivor, for example, this is basically all oh, that. Oh, um, that yeah, sounds kind of fun, yeah. Yeah, but it's all genuinely like a bunch of ripped people and <laughs> ripped in different ways. Ripped like you've got Olympic athletes, you've got bodybuilders, CrossFit people, YouTubers, professional like wrestlers and stuff like MMA people on there. Um, Really fun time, but that's been nice for me to watch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, as for this week, uh, tell us, what else did you watch, Palin?
1: So I've been watching Shrinking. It is now, I think, on episode five on Apple TV+. Um, This is a show that was co-created by Bill Lawrence, formerly uh, the showrunner of Ted Lasso, and Brett Goldstein, who was Roy Kent on Ted Lasso, also a boyfriend of the pod. Um, <laughs> and Jason Segel. Uh, so Jason Siegel stars in this as Jimmy. He's a therapist in Pasadena who lost his wife to a car accident last year. He has a tough relationship with his daughter, Alice, played by Lukita Maxwell. Not coping well with his grief. Um, he shares an office. His, you know, he's a therapist. He shares an office with his boss, Paul, played by the Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. And Gabby, Jessica Williams, who most recently you'll know her from Love Life Season 2. So one day Jimmy decides that he simply needs to be more direct with his patients. Life life is too short. He doesn't want to go around the hoo-ha of gently approaching and setting boundaries. Now, fuck that. He wants to directly tell people what they need to do so they can improve and get on with their lives. Obviously, he oversteps. <laughs> he completely ignores boundaries. And this leads to mixed results um i wouldn't say mixed actually it's mostly bad um
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so far yeah
1: yeah so um are are you caught up what do you think of it so far this is gonna be funny because i kind of know where this is headed
0: (laughs) yeah so i am caught up in all the episodes i think the reason it's probably gonna be a little bit funny is because i think Pell and i uh, we have different opinions of the show i think yes um i (laughs) found it quite hard to get through a lot of some of the episodes, especially some of the early ones, when they are sort of easing into this world, setting the scene. I think it's getting a little better now as I keep mm. going. There is like a very watchable quality to the show that mm. I I can respect and that might actually keep me watching. Mm. Um, but there is something about, especially the way the characters are written and how they interact with each other that I find mm. so... Grading and so Mm. unbelievable in a sense that was probably the biggest hurdle for me just like the dynamics between those different characters and how their relationships supposedly work and how i just don't buy any of it yeah but you know there are other things that the show does have going for it so yeah you never know i might even i might keep watching it i very well might keep watching it i get what
1: you mean i think someone a critic, I've forgotten which one, but we'll find it and we'll link it in the sub stack. They wrote with the headline, Shrinking Desperately Wants You To Like It. And Ooh, yeah, I think that does nail it. Um, unfortunately, I do like it. And I think it's very <laughs> so cute worked. for trying. It for yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, yeah. There's something adorable about the very forced attempt that I see happening. This is top line. The reason why I like it is because this is my turn your brain off show. Like this is my fun time yeah there's a little bit of depth there they try but it's not trying too hard obviously um and the interactions honestly make me laugh um there's been a couple moments where i have literally laughed out loud because i find it charming it reminds me a lot of like new girl it reminds me a little bit of Um. abbott elementary in terms of like people in a workplace bantering and just everyone being character wise like very much themselves um I do agree that there is something that they need to keep working on with, with regards to like, I don't buy some of the, the chemistry between the two. However, I'm still, I'm still having a fun time. Um, I was going to ask you, if you had a therapist and they, they pulled a jimmy on you, mm-hmm. um, what would they do with you that will completely fuck you up rather than make you better?
0: Okay, and by that we're referring to like Jimmy forcing his patient to do something that is gonna like get at their truest psychological issue, and yeah, and try to help them actually backfire and just like yeah, make them cry or hate it or whatever. Right. Uh, (laughs) Oh. What? Well, what's yours first of all? Because I need to. I need to think about this a second.
1: I think Jimmy would probably take me to a stand-up night where they roast the audience mm-hmm. and he would offer me up to get roasted. Uh, yeah, I'd be, like, laughing the whole way through and then I'd just go home and kill myself. Um, <laughs> so um, that that would probably be it for me. That would probably send me spinning. Yeah, what, do, does that sound like... I feel like that's probably something that you would also hate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would also hate that, but I feel like I I don't mind as much about, like strangers roasting me or like they're I guess I care more about what like other people think of me who are who know me and then decide like after knowing me okay she sucks or like she I don't want to like associate with her or like yeah yeah, yeah. like maybe it's like people who they think they know me from whatever like brief interaction online or something that is something that I think that maybe gets more under my skin
1: for sure do, um, when you when you were growing up, when people were asking you what do you want your secret power to be, were you always like invisibility every time?
0: Oh yeah, I think that would have been one of my answers a lot Same. of time: invisibility, yeah. or probably stopping time, like time powers. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I guess that does probably reveal something about the way that we are
1: <laughs> in terms of like the characters in this. Like to to bring it back to that, I think Jason Siegel is if you enjoy him in general. Of, of his style of comedy how he is in comedy the way he acts um you'll enjoy this because he's like seagulling to like the nth degree <laughs> um uh i'm not hating it you know sometimes it annoys me there are certain scenes where i'm just like oh god because he i feel like he just plays himself um he's not necessarily acting there are times where it's annoying but for the most part he's pretty endearing mm-hmm. other great cast members is krista miller uh, who plays the next door neighbor liz uh, apparently she's married to bill lawrence i didn't know that um the oh show. i had yeah. no idea but she's uh what's his name's wife on scrubs um scrubs which obviously bill lawrence created anyway it's all in the family jimmy's best friend brian is played by michael eerie who you will know from ugly betty Yay. I think I texted you when I was watching it, like, oh, God, I miss this guy on my screen. He's so good.
0: I know. It's been such a long time since, I don't know. I feel like he's just maybe flying, been flying under the radar since Ugly Betty. But I agree. He was wonderful on that. I loved how bitchy he was. I wish this character is maybe slightly bitchier, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Still,
1: still, still good to see him. Still so very, very charming. Um, who's your favorite character?
0: I think definitely the character of Liz, this next door neighbor,
1: Mm. um, you know,
0: she has been getting sort of a rough deal in terms of having to take care of this next door neighbor child, you know, not getting thanked for it or appreciated for it and actually getting antagonized for it. Um, I think they sort of started to resolve this a little bit in the latest episode when, she kind of finally has it. She's like, you know, I took care of this like teenage girl who was, no one was looking after. And like, this is what I get for it. It's fucking sucks. And I think that's finally, it was like a long overdue um, kind of acknowledgement of all that she has done and the ways in which people around her are being really weird about it. Like, especially like Jimmy and Jimmy's friends and, and stuff like that. So she is, I think my favorite character um, and one of the ones who I think actually has a more, you know, believable for me, like uh, relationships with other people, a more believable sort of inner feelings, like her emotions. Mm -hmm. I think I totally Mm -hmm. get why she feels this way, why she acts this way, her motivations. Yeah. It's just some of the, can I tell you like one of the things I found weirdest about this show in terms of the character? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, the daughter and the father, yeah. which yeah. I get it, they are estranged, but even, like, in a estranged family, of like, strangers of, like, one year, they just, I yeah. just, the way they interact with each other, especially even in the beginning, but also now, it just doesn't feel like any sort of parental-child relationship yeah. at all. They are virtually strangers. Yes. And I get that that is supposed to be the point, but it's not quite working in the way that it should i think
1: yeah yeah no i mean y- you still need to feel like they were once a family unit yes. and then and then this death fractured them mm-hmm. with the way that it is now it's as if she has been living with another dad and another mother now she's back with her biological father yeah like she they've never, never met. talked to mm-hmm. who abandoned her sure like ma- again like the abandonment is an issue here Um, because Jimmy essentially did abandon her for a year. And, like, she's old enough to have some agency and some opinion where she should be able to talk to her father a little bit more directly and less like a stranger. I totally, totally agree with that assessment. And I also agree with Liz. I think she is the most emotionally developed out of all of the characters, which Mm -hmm. is wild. Like, you'd, you'd expect you'd expect that from the protagonist so that's a bit tough but yeah but who, who's your who's your favorite character otherwise i think liz too mm, um mm-hmm. i really do like liz i i love brian just what he brings to the overall like spirit of the show i also really like gabby i think gabby is fun it's just uh, uh, the second thing that i trip up on is obviously like i guess similar to ted lasso like this th- this wouldn't be really how it works in the real world with how businesses run and how colleagues are. It's, it's a little bit fantasy level. It's definitely a fantasy. Jimmy do his thing. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy Gabby because I think she, she plays off of all the other characters in a really fun, like she's kind of like the voice of the audience in a way, uh, where she kind of critiques or like says something funny or quips in about, uh something that Jimmy's doing or something that Paul's doing or something.
0: Yeah, Gabby is like very much carried along so far by the charisma of Jessica Williams. Mm-hmm. Um uh, which yep, is like sure. not a bad thing. Like this is good casting. You know, you found someone who is very good at this and who the audience mm-hmm. loves. I'll tell you one other small thing that I
1: oh, go I've it, noticed
0: that I don't really <laughs> like is um okay the showrunners are all white um, yeah. And the, I don't know, you know, possibly the writer's room is not all white. They may probably have, you know, some people of color in the writer's room, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But there have been at least three or four, almost like one per episode jokes about how white this place is or like how white yeah. some of these characters are. And yeah. they feel really forced in a way yes. that is like, it just does not feel natural. It does not feel funny. Yeah. It feels very yeah. wink wink. Look at how um,
1: yeah, look at how woke we are. Yeah,
0: yeah. kind of like yeah. it. It kind yeah. of it's hitting over the head way too hard, and it's just like, especially thinking about like the showrunners and thinking about like how they or the writers and whatever they are like putting mm-hmm. these words in the mouths of their black characters, and a couple times the white characters, you know, making self aware jokes. I really don't like it. That bugs me a lot.
1: Yeah, I think there is something very false. It's something that annoyed me about Ted Lasso as well, if I'm going to be really Yeah, wrong. Ted Lasso like, has us too. I completely get the critiques. I agree with you 100% of the way. I think my issue is also like the lack of the way that it's trying to have its cake and eat it too, where it wants to be the funny, likable, breezy watch, and then also do the meaningful, emotionally dark, mm-hmm. uh, real-world adult themes as well, about grief, about, mm-hmm. I don't know, estrangement, about incurable diseases like all of that it's trying to do all of that it's just it's really hard to find that balance yes it's a
0: it's a tough line for anyone to walk it's a super tough line that's also something that ted lasso struggled with in their you know later season as well
1: especially yeah and i'm you know i'm not gonna watch the next ted lasso (laughs) season like i'm good (laughs) i'm good um i think the difference is with this it reminds me a lot of the TV that I watched when I was a teen. You know, like Greek, for example, was, oh, yeah. you know, like the t- it's more, it's weird. It kind of reminds me of like a teen show, but it's about adults. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, because it is like sort of this fantasy world, like you said, occupied by this ensemble who yeah. do play off each other in like um, yeah. some often funny, often entertaining ways.
1: So there's a yeah. sort of comfort to it. There's something weird about also <laughs> I love that I'm like, I like this show. Here are my critiques. <laughs> um, no, but. The- that's basically how it was
0: with the bear right like i like that show ostensibly but we spent almost a whole episode like just picking it
1: apart (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) harrison ford dude what's okay first of all just to take a step back i'm really happy to see him on my screen both big and little um he's Mm -hmm. getting a lot of work in he's doing shrinking he's going to be on the new taylor sheridan show he i think he's got a couple of film projects down the pipeline um He's. I think. I don't know where it's coming from. I think maybe it might be um, uh, death. Uh, is probably got something to do with it. He's getting older. How do you feel about Mr. Harrison Ford, one of the greatest actors of our time, uh, mm. legendary in the in the film and TV world?
0: I think I read somewhere that he like read the script um, for the show, like an episode, and he. That's why he signed on. He was like, I, I mm. love this. Which is interesting. I think he has the potential to have, like, one of the most impactful emotional arcs, you know, narrative arcs yeah. on the show because of his character. You know, his character has, like, health problems. He mm-hmm. has Parkinson's. He is estranged from his own family, his daughter, in a way. There's all that potential that's set up, and they might get into it in, you know, later episodes in the season or yeah. future, future seasons. But so far, it... A lot of his character, being the way that this character is, does not give Harrison Ford much opportunity to flex a whole lot. Yeah. But maybe it'll change,
1: I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Like, he plays essentially the curmudgeon. Like, he's meant to be Jimmy's mentor, and he does not approve of what Jimmy's doing at all. Thank God (laughs) there's someone in there that that doesn't. But he's not stopping Jimmy either, so that's weird. Anyway, (laughs) basically he plays that role and it's funny because if you have read any press or know anything about how Harrison Ford he is, is, um, he is kind of a bit of a curmudgeon in real life too. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, and I completely agree. I think telling the story of someone diagnosed with Parkinson's through this character and how he deals with it and how it's hard for him to admit to his daughter because he doesn't essentially want to be a burden or worry her or anything like that. That's very meaningful. And you know, his daughter is played by Lily Rob, who I love. um, I've always loved. And I think the two of them could really have something special going on with that dynamic of like your parent having an illness, you having to take on the role of the carer um, and what that does to the dynamic Mm -hmm. of your relationship, especially if you've been essentially estranged for a long time or like distant from one another. Mm -hmm. Um, Very meaningful. Can this show pull it off without trying to f- be saccharine along the way? I hope so. Um, but I do, I do find it fascinating that <laughs> Harrison Fucking Ford is in this. Like it's kind of nuts. Every time he's on the screen, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really does throw me off. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it anyway. If you had to pick any three of these therapists, like between like Jimmy, Gabby, and and oh. Harrison Ford's one, which one would you pick?
0: Well, my first instinct is to say like none of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, um,
0: I have like I've had issues with therapists in general, and and mm. seeing the uh, unethical mm. aspect of, of this more. practice like yeah. does not inspire confidence. Um, but I think no. also after seeing maybe the latest episode or the latest two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like Harrison Ford's character Paul does kind of have the most experience and most like um, emotional intelligence in a way at least yeah. in therapy mode
1: yeah. uh, very
0: different from his regular life mode so I would yes. maybe go for
1: Paul yeah I think I'd go for Gabby um, mm. age wise you know she's also a woman of colour that kind of helps uh, we haven't seen a lot of her sessions I will say that so maybe I might change my mind uh, when we see more But yeah, no, this is just for anyone that's never been in therapy and watches this. uh, This is not how it goes. And if it does, uh, sack your therapist. It's terrible. (laughs) And report
0: them to the whatever certification board or whatever. For
1: sure. Yeah. But in general, you know, like, I like watching this week to week. I've got to say it's like my little, like, in terms of, of, like, the way that I watch TV, this is on the lighter end of the spectrum. I kind of group it in with Abbott Elementary. Um, I enjoy it. It's a half hour If that's something that interests you, go ahead over to Apple TV Plus and check it out. So what did you watch this week, Jenny?
0: This week I watched Sharper, which is on Apple TV Plus. It is a neo-noir heist slash thriller film directed by Benjamin Caron, written by Brian Gatewood and Alessandro Tanaka. Produced and released uh, respectively by A24 and of course Apple TV Plus. So this film, uh, which is a new release, it's set in Manhattan. It's focusing on sort of the people within the orbit of this con happening to a powerful billionaire in the city. I can't reveal too much more about the specific characters without spoiling mm-hmm. it but i'll say it stars julian moore as madeline sebastian stan as max justice smith as tom brandon middleton as sandra and john lithgow briefly as richard yeah um this is a film that has kind of gotten a mixed reception i think amongst yeah. critics but i'll just speak for myself and say i liked it a lot i had a lot of fun and it's Partly because I know that it's not striving to be anything more than what it is, which is just an entertaining, sleekly produced, you know, they got a nice budget, kind of frothy kind of B-movie type thriller.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I actually had a really fun time. It did not challenge me in any kind of way but it did make me gasp a couple of times the twists Uh and turns were very fun and I will say it was directed really fucking well so Mm -hmm. I was having a great visual time I was having a great plot time because I wasn't thinking too hard about it everyone was uh doing their absolute best with their acting and that was fun to just see but you're absolutely right it does not want to be more than what it actually is um and you've got to respect that you know yeah
0: yeah I I do respect that like sometimes it's best to you know, choose a target and hit that target rather than like striving to be something that you're not like trying to push Mm -hmm. it in different ways. that just doesn't work. Like, sure. I applaud people who have greater ambitions and and things like that. But you know, as far as productions go, this is perfectly uh, satisfactory right where it's at. Um, So to get a little bit more into how it's laid out, which is, kind of central to this film it's Mm -hmm. arranged in chapters centered around a specific character and then each subsequent chapter like pulls back and reveals more about all the machinations and events that led to this chapter as well as previous chapters so with each subsequent character pov we are learning more and more and it's Mm -hmm. always a little bit surprising and it basically is like like, you know, in a mystery film or a story or a novel or whatever, there's there's classically that reveal, that um, pullback of the curtain and seeing everything that happened and why and how. I love that reveal. I think we've talked about it before. Yeah. I love that reveal so much. And this is yeah. basically just nonstop reveal after reveal yeah. after reveal, which I had so much fun with. I appreciated mm-hmm. that so much. It really creates this kind of addictive, like, can't stop watching quality. Like, you need to yeah. see more to learn what the next twist is and the next reveal.
1: And you're spending half the time trying to figure out what's actually happening as opposed to what's being shown to you. So, you are trying to theorize what ends up happening. And it's why I think the time went by so quickly for me. I think I was live texting you as it was happening, and I was just like, ah, oh, that's annoying. Ah, <laughs> oh, never mind. I'm back in. <laughs> like, it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you have a favorite? character or, like, arc for a character out of this, you know, ensemble.
1: I think Sandra is probably my favorite in terms mm-hmm. of where her character landed in the end. I- initially, it was Madeline, because I was like, Bitch, you fucking did that shit. Good for you. <laughs> um, but then, obviously, like, things change. <laughs> so, um, what about you?
0: Yeah, it-, it is sort of interesting to think about, um, basically, who the film wants the audience to root for versus, like, who the audience does root yeah, for. Like,
1: yeah.
0: it's it's a little bit ambiguous for a lot of the film, which I find, found interesting because there is a part of you or the audience who might be like, yeah, I want to root for the grifters. I want to root for the people, like, scamming a billionaire out of his money, right. Like, this hedge fund dude yeah. who presumably is, like, not a good guy or whatever. Um, but then like at some point things start to flip and then maybe you're rooting against one of the grifters or the other mm-hmm. grifter. And then now both of the grifters again. And now you're back in the pocket of like the, the son of this billionaire yeah. who, you know, lost all this money and it do- it doesn't, it's kind of interesting, like playing around with sympathies a little yeah. bit without thinking too hard about it. Like it doesn't direct you specifically one way or the other I think until closer to the end so I thought that was a sort of an interesting little wrinkle in this Mm -hmm. um in terms of like characters I do agree like Sandra had the you know she had the classic sort of she's down at the bottom she had a rise she had a fall and then she had a rise again Mm -hmm. which is Mm
1: -hmm. always classic
0: in terms of Yeah. yeah what what people love to see in their in their characters their protagonists I thought Sebastian Stan was good as Max like he does this kind of Suave slash borderline menacing, uh handsome slash dangerous guy. He does it very well, yeah. I think.
1: And there's a there's obviously because they're con men, there's performances within performances and his performance takes yeah. the most effort. Um mm-hmm. and so to see him be like kind of snivelling, annoying and then go straight back to yeah, like very calculative, um, was it was interesting to see. I will say I think my biggest thought with this was I don't know if this would have been better as a mini series, like a four part, six part mini series, oh. where we would then be able to kind of get into a little bit more backstory because I think that was a part that not necessarily I thought was missing because it's not that kind of film. But if it was given a little bit more time, it maybe would have been where we'd get a little bit more backstory of all the characters and where they landed, yeah. where they are. So there would feel more investment and then like the reveal would feel more satisfying i don't know what do you think
0: yeah i had i had a thought about that but now that you're saying it i think i totally agree with you that would have been a really good way to go about this i do remember reading an interview with i th- i forgot if it was the director or the writers where they even cut some of this stuff about how two of the characters uh, madeline and max met and mm-hmm. that would have taken place like somewhere in the middle of the film but they're like you know kind of disrupted the flow of how our chapter like pullbacks happen so they took it out as it is it is kind of like a here's just how it is and here's how we're gonna do it and i think it totally works but i agree like a mini series could have been an interesting idea uh and i wouldn't mind seeing something similar come out of this team like if they had an idea for another sort of heist thriller sort of thing set as a mini series
1: like that that would be cool i love like we both love heist movies in general um Mm -hmm. but like films about the con men and like the long con and all of that i love those too so i think that's why um like the thing that i was like i could see them hinting towards it with regards to you know one character versus another character asking like how do you do this all the time and Mm -hmm. she's like practice and i was just practice. like i would have loved to yeah. have fucking seen a bit of that practice yeah all of that i think it would have been fun because again stylistically like it's directed really well it looks really prestigious um it would have been great um shout out to john lithgow for just like showing up yeah. for half a day and then fucking off <laughs> <laughs> easiest <laughs> check he, he a ever thing got then, seriously yeah
0: i do want to talk a little bit about how the film ends
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
0: in my opinion I found that the film was starting to lose steam a little bit toward the end when yeah. things within the story begin to unravel. Like, the their grift, their scheme does not exactly go as planned when, like, unexpected elements pop back up. Um, the final twist, like, it does create a really nice full circle moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to spoil it. But it takes a, a level of, like, suspension of disbelief that I find... Was a little bit stronger than any level of you know suspension yeah. of disbelief that had happened earlier in this film. Yes. Like, yes, specifically, sure. Two central con artists—they maybe maybe some of their past fuck ups or like um, snubs of other people would come back to bite them in the ass like this. I can buy that, but I can't quite buy two con artists of this sort. Being so gullible and kind of yeah. stupid at the end, and yeah. having that being signaled to the audience in a pretty stupid way, I think I thought yes. like in this this airplane
1: scene. I completely agree. I also think, like pacing wise, it was so fast. It was like a brisk walk, like really, really just mm-hmm. high power walking through the film. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the last act, and we jump forward in time. And then, like with the slowdown of that, we were able to then see the details and the mistakes a little yeah. bit closer yeah so that was the problem because like once you've slowed us down now i've got time to look at what doesn't work um, yeah and I so totally there were a lot of details that. like that the, you know i don't i don't want to give anything away but there's a lot of details that just like the type of person that does that the type of person in this world with this type of wealth um wouldn't do the things that end up happening um i think there would be a level of professionalism there that wouldn't allow for for the the chain of events to happen that the way they they, they did um mm-hmm. so that was you know that that's what you do you slow down you make us look harder which is part of it i do think that maybe the <laughs> nine billion was i think too much um too, too much, much money it's a lot of money like, it is a
0: lot of money it's an unimaginable amount of money but I agree with you. I agree the, the pacing and how it started to slow down and, and drag a little bit that like opened it up to, uh, for us to see that the film's vulnerabilities and really like, yeah. you know, it's a heist film. You gotta have some sort of like, like sleight of hand to it in how it's constructed and made. And that is like what makes it work. Like keep it moving, keep us looking elsewhere so we don't notice like any actual Sort of unbelievable things that happen. Um, yes, I yeah. totally agree.
1: Another critique that I have, and it's my last one. Um, I think there should have been more sex in this. Like, I know it was very polished. I know it was very professional, but it ri- it reminds me a lot of like the psychological thrillers of like the eighties, early nineties um, mm-hmm. that had a lot of sex in it, like very Cronenberg esque. And I think this would have actually, it would have heightened it a little bit. It would have also given us a little bit more emotional. Uh, storytelling with the sex mm. scenes. I know that, like, we live in this, like, Puritanism time now where people are like, less sex? No, more, actually. And I think this really would have been good for it. Um, there's a couple in this, obviously, the two con artists. Um, I would have loved to have seen them fuck. Like, I'm not joking. I think it would have, like, really, <laughs> really, like, we drove home the point that they're a partnership in a way that is, you know, visceral.
0: It is very, like, um, glassy in a way, like a cold, sort of, like, skyscraper, Manhattan skyscraper building, which, uh, I don't know if that was deliberate, possibly. Like, but, yeah, it is, like, a little bit cold in that sense where some heat, um, and they do have a couple of moments of heat, but some dialing up of that heat might have yeah, played to its favor. So, yeah, I yeah. can't necessarily disagree with that. But, you know, overall, I think that this is a, again, just a very fun film, especially the first two-thirds of it. It is exactly the kind of thing that I... I wanted to watch at that moment, just like, again, turn your brain off, enjoy the ride. Sometimes yeah. that's all you need. And I'm glad
1: that this delivered that. So for Culture Notes this week, um, first of all, Jenny, happy belated Valentine's Day, hon. Thank oh, yeah, for being, that happened. Thank you for being my partner in pod. Um, I love <laughs> our weekly hangs. Uh, you are the queen of my heart. Um, oh, my so, God. T- Rachel, Thank you. to celebrate valentine's day a bunch of celebs decided to quote-unquote i hate i fucking hate saying this but hard launch their relationships and or post pictures even if it isn't a relationship of them with another person and we want to specifically call out emily ratakovska known as to to the kids um and eric andre who posted a photo of them Naked, I think, in one of their houses. Uh, presumably, they just fucked. We had Florence Pugh photographed with a uh, photographer, Charlie Gooch. Excellent name, Charlie. First of all, I want to congratulate your family, your ancestors on that last name. Beautiful, beautiful name. Um, so Florence met Charlie apparently on the set of one of her films in the summer of 21. A lot of discussion has been happening uh, with with these couples with, I think, Emrata and Eric Andre, the whole thing is like, what does she see in him? So what are your thoughts on, on this Emily Ratajkowska and Eric Andre news? Are you are you happy for them? What does this say? Like, what are your thoughts on women that go for slightly ugly men? Well,
0: rude to call anyone ugly. Uh, we're
1: all beautiful, sure. of course. We're all beautiful um, inside. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think people are, like, forgetting that it seems like a lot of women celebrity women they love comedians and eric andre is yeah you know apparently a pretty funny guy um i mean this is the appeal of humor being able to like take a joke make a joke and like just generally have a kind of funny charisma like that's Mm -hmm. very powerful people forget that like pete davidson like you know that's sort of his whole thing he's an all right looking guy and he apparently can make people laugh so yeah that is how, if you're wondering like oh how did he get ariana grande how do you get like he he allegedly Kim, dated kardashian. For, yeah. uh, Kim, yeah. Kim kardashian like all this stuff well all you have to do is be like a little bit funny and like a, you know that that takes you far
1: yeah i mean with with emily i think her previous relationship didn't end up very well, like, with her ex-husband. Yeah,
0: that was allegedly infidelity as well.
1: Yeah, and for what it's worth, like, I mean, this is up to you, but he's, you know, he's not bad-looking, that guy. Uh, Didn't work out for her. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like, looks really don't matter. As long as you have someone that you vibe with, you gel with, that someone that makes you laugh, that doesn't take themselves too seriously, common traits with comedians, you know, um, very important. I think, as someone once said, one of our wise wise people amongst us on the internet said there really is nothing better than goofy dick and uh I think Emily's discovering that I'm happy for her I don't know if they're like officially a couple or if they're just like they're just having fun um either way I'm happy for the both of them I think for Florence I'm glad that she's found someone a little bit more of her age mate if you are having fun with goofy dick or gooch dick uh good for you we're we're happy for for all of you on that end of the spectrum.
0: So that's it for us this week. If you're watching anything you think we should check out, as always, please let us know. We're at criticismisdead at gmail dot com, or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter uh, for extended show notes, including everything we've been talking about and more. Check out our newsletter, criticismisdead.substack.com. Leave a rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Five stars only, please. Tell a friend about us. Shout us out on social media, whatever platform you may use. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, As always, thank you so much. And we will see you next week. See you next
1: week. Criticism is Dead is produced by Pellen Keskin liu and Jenny Chishang. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Liu.